0: This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going.
1: And good evening, Hearts of Oak. Afternoon, if you're watching stateside, uh, just turn noon if you're watching on the Pacific Coast. Great to have you with us. Thanks so much for joining us this evening. And it is wonderful to have David Atherton join us once again. David, thanks so much for your time today.
2: Yeah, well, good evening and good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be. And uh, yeah, well, Peter, it's always a pleasure to cut to come on your program. It's always always a pleasure to meet up.
1: And you were doing, the we are talking before, you were doing the late stint on Talk TV, where oh. people can find you often.
2: <laughs> yes, indeed, yeah. It's, uh, no, uh, I, I've been doing it for about uh, best part of a year now, actually. I think I've been on there about 20, 30 times as a regular. Started off being irregular. And uh, I think I seems to have gone from from um, every three weeks to two weeks, and now weekly. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a late show on Talk TV. Um, normally starts about 11 o'clock at night. And uh, what I do is I, I, I you know, they do record it, and uh, what I do I, I do post do post the whole two two or three hour show. So uh, keep, keep following me on Twitter, and you and you get the updates.
1: Absolutely, and on your Twitter at Dave Atherton twenty, and you just passed the one two three four five six. I have indeed. Yeah, well, I was I was
2: I was so astonished. You know, would have been about I don't know two thousand and twelve when I got up to a thousand followers. You know, I was, I was all equally as close to getting up to ten thousand, but they hit the hundred thousand. I, I just find it unbelievable. I've got no idea what I'm doing right.
1: <laughs> well, something's working, or yeah. someone's watching over you from above, or something's working, <laughs> or whatever it is, but. Um, great to have you in there. Are lots of stories, of course. And welcome to the War and Posse joining us on Rumble and Getter. Great to have you over there uh, stateside. But let's jump on the first story and we'll do an intro to this for our US viewers. And this is Joey Barton. Joey Barton, ex-footballer and has been lighting up Twitter like I haven't seen in quite a while. Um, so this is one of the, the posts of many. One of the safer posts to read out. He says, I was surprised by your wife. He's talking to Ed Balls, an ex-politician. This is his wife, Yvette Cooper, also a Labour politician, calling the people of nosley far right, considering it's been one of Labour's safe seats for decades. I was always surprised to see one of your kids is a tranny. Mustang. Horrible. <laughs> Har- mental illness wish him well in his recovery <laughs> and, no it's not just this but joey seems to be going full on on everything and I, i'm 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 not 100 sure exactly what's true but I, as you've watched this tell me um what you've thought because it, it it does seem a joy to watch well it does
2: indeed yes it's uh it's, you know, it's the whole establishment uh you know in, in meltdown isn't it sort of thing you know you know, he, you know, he criticised uh, those two uh, those those two football commentators. He, I think he, he compare them to uh, Fred and Rosie West, didn't he?
1: <laughs> Who are serial <laughs> serial killers for those uh, over in the States.
2: <laughs> yeah, indeed. So, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I think Barton has gone over the top in what he said there. But what, but what, what I think, what Joey Barton is, um, yeah, it's it's Iniola and Lucy Ward, who are former England internationals, uh, when, when it when it when it comes to and uh, they're the, the soccer football commentators in the UK, and um, but most blokes in this country, most men don't don't really like women commentating on on the football. They don't mind them being referees and men and being the anchors for TV programs and posing the questions, but when it comes to the football analysis. You know you know they, they really really quite resent it They much prefer the blokes who have played it at that level um, to actually make some commentary on it um, but uh, whilst I think Barton is um, Joey Barton is probably a little bit on the on the naughty side of, on, on his choice of language there you know what he's doing is he's speaking for a lot of people um, that you know have got a head fed up of having political correctness ramp you know ram down their throat you know I like can you know, you know, a man, a man commentating on um, on on pro celebrity knitting probably is not going to go down well either. You know, so you know, Sorry, you know. Football, I think also as well. You know, I, I I'm an ex footballer myself, and I used to used to manage teams as well. You know, you know, three stone ago, and um and you know, you know Saturday afternoon was my little bit of bloke time. You know. And uh, you know, I you know. Of course, you know, there's nothing misogynist about it. It just you know, it was like women like 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 spending time together without any men there. You know, it's just the uh, same thing with football. You know, I think what Joey Bartlett is, he, he's he's tapping into the resentment that women have taken over a male space.
1: Yeah, not completely, but he's also gone. I mean, we've seen obviously Matt Letiz, uh being punished for his comments and you're supposedly not allowed to have comments as a footballer if you're, well, Matt is, wasn't, I wouldn't even have said it was on the right. Uh, of course, you are allowed to have whatever comments you are if you're someone like Gary Lineker. Yeah, sure. So it is, uh, it's, it's certainly not a level playing field in any shape or form.
2: Two-tier Britain, isn't it? Two-tier policing, two-tier Britain. You know, you know, there, there's the Overton window, what is permissible to say. And if you step outside the, the, the Overton window, you'll be buried by the establishment and all, all the Wokies and all the PC brigade, and you'll be cancelled and you won't have, won't have any work, you won't have, won't have another job in the industry. I think that will happen, happen to Joe to Joey Barton as well, uh, You know, to, to a greater extent. But you know, I suppose we would be grateful there is at least one what one or two areas where working class men are represented, uh, who do have a say and are allowed to say what they like, even if it is slightly controversial? I think Joey Barton, you no, know, he did, he was over the top in, in what he said, you know. But you know, as I say again, you know, he, he he's tapped, he's 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 hit a raw nerve with a lot of blokes. By the way, he's he's got a poll running. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> 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 I just checked out where I came on actually. It's got something like best part of eighty thousand votes, so it's reasonable. Uh, a reasonable number of people, and uh, 20 about twenty percent 20, disagree with him. Twenty-one percent um, don't give a toss, and fifty percent agree with Joey Barton. Women, com- women, the Latin, women uh, commentators should not be should not be allowed on football.
1: It's um, I was kind of watching what's happening. Um, obviously, there will be a, a, a backlash. News about them, but Joey's kind of generally been someone who speaks his mind he it's not like some like matt latiss who kind of fitted in and then just did a tweet and suddenly then oh. there was a backlash joey's always been someone who's kind of always up for a fight always on the edge never fitted in yeah. um so it's kind of just joey barton as you kind of would have thought of him uh kind of as a rough and tumble footballer actually that's just coming out on social media side
2: well indeed um yeah. I, I think I think you, it's probably best to say that uh, when he was a player, he was quite uh, aggressive, shall we say. I think yes. he had well, 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 <laughs> in one on, on that, to say the least. Um, but I saying that, though, um, funny enough, the producer I, I work with at uh, Talk TV uh, has worked with Joey Barton. He says he's a lovely guy, really down-to-earth guy and reasonable, what have you. He, he, he only said nice things about him, you know? He so said he's polite, he's respectful. Um, but I, I think, you know... Um, we've had sort, of, you know, I, I suppose you probably, probably, probably the woke culture, culture goes back to Gamergate in two thousand and four. So we, mm. so we really had ten years of unremitting you know, political correctness and wokiness and you can't say this, you can't do that, you've lost your job. And you know, I think, you know, I think I, I think as well that uh, what Joey has done, he's, he's sort of he's sort of he's, he's he's raised a flag here, and I think people are flocking to his because mm. I'm wishing well in many ways, but you know, you know change the language a bit mate that's that's yeah. my only advice
1: no uh I, I i agree i was certainly would remove some of the some of the language on i don't think language necessarily adds to it but hey uh, yeah. uh who who am i to critique whenever he's setting twitter on fire let's let's move on to something completely different and it's the the topic of religion and this is Islam. Now, you've done a, a number of posts. I think we'll pull up one more on this as well. Sure. Um, but looking at Iran, and this is a quote from Ayatollah Khamenei, um about men having sex with animals. So uh, it, it can only go uphill from here, I guess. Sure. But it's, it's interesting that I think often in the West, it's thought that actually cultures all fit in and can combine. and But there is a massive cultural clash between Islamic ideas and between Western ideas. And I think this kind of points that out. Sure. Um, I think
2: also, well, well, I, I, when you say that to me, I was quite surprised, actually. And uh, I, I've seen that before, actually. Like, and I've tried to trace that back to, the ori- to, to, to an original source. I think it. I think it does exist. I think that is true. But what, why I think there is so much zoophilia, I think that's a polite name for for sex with animals. Zoophilia um, is that because you have in Islamic culture that the principle of multiple wives, but the principle of multiple wives. Um, you know, there's a lot of single men. You know, single men knocking around who who, who have got nothing, mm. and so they have to get rid of their sexual frustration somewhere. And uh, you know, this is one of the reasons why they like coming to Britain. I'm sure it's one of the things, that, one of the reasons they, they like coming to Britain. Um, you, know, that, you know, that women here are available, and we, we tend to be relatively monogamous in the sense we tend to have one-on-one relationships, you know, people might might commit adultery or straight from the fold. But generally speaking, it's very, very rare for, a, you know, for a non-Muslim in this country to, to have, you know, more than one wife. You know, there's obviously rich people who might have mistresses, you know, which might be kind of the same thing. But generally speaking, most of us aren't rich enough to have a mistress. So, uh, um, so, so therefore, I can only I, I can only assume that, uh, that zoophilia within, within the Islamic community is not obviously not all of them do it, it seems to me from what I can see is basically the, the lower socio economic people who are doing this. Um, but it does go on, and it seems to well, as you, as you see that from Iran, it's condoned, you know. Um, but you got to think yourself, you know, backwards savages,
1: it is. And I, let's bring up the next one because it fits into that, but is about how women are treated. And you put up the barbaric regime of Iran has resumed the public flogging of women for failing to wear a hijab. Roya Heshmati received 74 lashes for her crime, the crime of not wearing a bit of clothing on her head. Um, sure. And again, this we've imported this here, haven't we? I mean, you, you've discussed... Islam, you've discussed those clashes, it leads yep. in conversational grooming gangs on honor based yep. violence, all yep. of that. So te- tell us your thoughts on this.
2: Right, okay. Well, um, I th- the subtext of this um, in, in Iran is um, if you're not aware, in 1979, Iran under the Shah of Peacock was uh, a secular state. Um, and there was an Islamic revolution in 1979 and he was deposed. Um, I think what happened was Jimmy Carter was then president of the United States of America, and he thought Iran was was getting too powerful, and he was quite happy to see the Islamists take over the country. Absolutely, absolutely terrible decision. Um, and so, therefore, the Ayatollah Khomeini was the first lead, leader of, of the Islamic Revolution, um, and he's he, he's um, uh, what's all I'm looking for. He's uh, uh, applied most draconian laws, and uh, particularly on women. Um, whereby you know um, in Iran you, you will be stoned for adultery, women are obliged to wear the hijab, um, and there's been a great revolt against it. Um, uh, it's, it's not only it's not it's not only the forty lashes lashes we have to worry about. Um, I've, I've just I've look look just very briefly looking up looking up her name at the moment, but uh, some women have actually been executed for it. Um, Rita uh, Garavand uh, was was executed. She she was arrested by the Iranian morality police, and she was beaten into a coma, and she later died in a coma for simply not wearing a hijab. There's a subtext here: is because um, the Iranians are getting increasingly, increasingly angry at the Iranian regime. I don't really know whether you know, 35% of Iranians have converted to Christianity. Hmm. 35% as a, as a mark of protest. Uh, have you have you noticed um, the the Iranian flag uh, with with the Iranian flag? There's two types. The Shah Peacock had a lion on it, and uh, the Islamic uh, uh, Iranian uh, flag has a, what looks like a tulip. Apparently, it means Allah. Uh, from, what, from what I've been able to research from it, um, and if you see all those uh, the Iranian flags with a lion on it, they are actually standing uh, shoulder to shoulder with 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 Israel and Jews at the moment and then the people you see at some of the pro pro uh, Israeli uh, um, rallies waving their flag there is, there is kind of a, a mass revolt uh, without violence at the moment um, from, from the people um, something like 2000 mosques in iran have been burnt to the ground by by <laughs> by, by anti-islamic cleric um, uh, activists um you know i say something it what the world would great, would um would greatly uh, benefit from will be a regime change in, in Iran. In Iran, in 1979 and before, under the under the uh, under, uh, under the Shah, you know, women became Westernized. Women wore short skirts. Women wore sleeveless tops. Women were allowed to go out drinking and smoking and, and be on their own. You um, know, it, it basically became you know. And to be fair, I say something. It's very, very rare to find an Iranian who was allowed in post nineteen seventy nine and their family and descendants mm. not to fit in here. You know, there's a group of Muslims that do fit into Britain. It's Iranians. Um, I do. tell you know a guy called Maya Tusi?
1: Yep, Maya you know, Tusi. Yeah. You
2: know, he's, he's, you know, I think his parents, you know, left, left, left Iran, and uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, you don't find it any more, more. British than that, and any more, any, any, anybody more anti. Uh, extremist muslim you know uh, extremist islamic so that's the background to that so um basically uh, iran has become a backward islamic barbaric state
1: yeah, no, I've um, uh, we've had Annie Cyrus on a number of times and been mm. on her show, and she fled from Iran. I think it was a child bride. Yeah, and fled. so you talk to those who she fled, became a Christian leader, martyrs. So he just obviously left that. Wanted, wanted uh, a level of freedom. Yeah. Um, but it's it, and but I get, but then with Iran, I I worry about the cause for regime change because growing up I would have said just bummed the crap out of them. Now actually it's well actually it's, it's not our problem. Um and I worry about the 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 calls, especially what's happening in the Middle East, which is a whole separate issue. We're not really getting sure. to this time. Yeah. But I worry about the calls for let's go in on Iran. I think actually let's hold off and think of the repercussions of that whether that's oh, I, I, or... I, I,
2: I'm not I'm not i I'm not calling for direct um engagement with Iran. What I'm saying is, I'm just praying that the the Iranians can depose the Islamic State over there. You know, yeah. I, you know, maybe maybe we maybe we can give them some surreptitious help. You know, and help by the back door. Um, but um, you know, I, 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 Biden gave Iran billions of pounds. I, I don't. I'm, I'm, I should have researched the reason why. But he, I think, I, I think he was sequestrated from Iran. He's mm. giving it giving it all back, and. Um, and so, therefore, they've been on, been on a spend, spending spree at the moment. And uh, that's the reason, uh, one of the reasons why, why, why we've got the conflict in, in Israel and Gaza at the moment. Yeah. Like, you know, they've been funding, you know, fund, funding the Palestinians and Hamas uh, for years and years and years. And, you know, also Iran is funding the Houthis um, uh, in, Ye- in the Yemen as well, that are threatening all the ships in the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. You know, horrible people, horrible regime. It needs to go. And, uh, you know, and quite frankly, uh, look, uh, you know, if Iran was to f- was to become secular again and Western again, that would put a, a tremendous pressure on the whole of the Middle East area for, you know, oh, look, they're doing that in Iran. Why can't we do that? You know, it'd also be a buffer with Afghanistan as well. Um, and also Turkey as well. Turkey, Erdogan, Erdogan's becoming a lot more um, lot more aggressive you now as a leader. And, uh, you know, how he gets away with deporting two million Syrians while we can't re- deport one on well, asylum seeker, I've got no idea. But anyway, um, that's, how, that's how they do things over there. So if, if a roundfall, I, th- I think the world in, in the, in the medium to long term will become a lot more peaceful.
1: Yeah, 100%. Well, let's go on to immigration here in the UK. And yep. this is, you'd reposted uh, Matthew Goodwin. Uh, let me just put up what you said and then let's listen to him because it's just short. And this sure. was what you said, Prof of Professor of Politics, Matthew Goodwin, points out fundamentally British people need to be housed first. Shocking statement. He adds close to half all social housing in London good households are headed by somebody who is not born in Britain. But I'll let our viewers, listeners, take not just what you thought of it, David, but let me play this one minute of Matthew speaking
0: but today, you know, anybody out there who's tried to rent an apartment recently knows it. Mm. Anybody, anybody out there who's tried to buy a home recently knows this, you're turning up with twenty, twenty-five other people, often people that, to be blunt, weren't born in Britain and, and, and are not from Britain. But those people and still is, need to be housed by like that. Yeah. Those well, people still they, need to they, be housed. They need to be housed, but 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 fundamentally, Paul, British people need to be housed first. Right. That is fundamentally what needs right, to happen. Let's address that stat, because last time you was on with me anyway, oh, yeah. um, we had this conversation. Um, wow. I, I'm good to see. I'm, I'm so memorable. I like that. But we had this conversation about um, people that was in social housing and the demographics of them and all the rest of it. it all went viral on social media, uh, didn't it? So what was the point that you was making? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember crystal clear. Most people don't know this. So if you look at social housing in London. Yeah not across the country, about 48%, close to half of all social housing in London goes to households that are headed by somebody who was not not born in Britain. Personally, I don't think that's a sustainable situation. I don't think it's the right situation. I think we need to revert to a model of social housing that gives clear preference to people who have been in the country for a long period of time, who have paid into the collective pot, and we need to, I think, stand back and think about this housing crisis in terms of where population growth is going. Give you one stat, right? If we keep doing what we're doing in this country, um, by about 2045, which really isn't that that far away, we're going to have about 10 cities the size of Birmingham uh, that's what we're going to need in terms of population growth if we keep doing what we're going to do.
1: oh no, let me remove that completely referring um, no on, on what you said there <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was i uh, i've i I've really got to like Matthew Goodwin more and more the more i've I've seen of him um, and earlier on, I kind of thought well, he's maybe just um like a think tankish person kind of hatched on with the Tories but actually um over the years maybe he it it mightn't be that he's moved it might just be my perception of him has changed but I've really enjoyed and and this was was full-on common sense that actually the government should be thinking of British people and and housing them how dare um, them yeah how dare I know. them you know so uh, tell tell your Matthew Goodwin what what are your what are your thoughts on him and what do you think of his comments on this? Well, he's be,
2: he's been on a journey, I think. I uh, so what someone pulled up um, an article we wrote for the Guardian in two, two, 2013 and thirteen, ten the interview. <laughs> and it you know it was how we can integrate Muslims into Britain? You know, you know, it was all wet. It's all kind of kind of wet, academic, drippy rubbish that you expect from from, from a professor of politics. You know, but, you know, um. I think he's been on a journey. I, I think facts and reality of it, in straight to the face. Um, he's, he's quite correct. It's outrageous that fifty percent of Lo- of London social housing is given to people who aren't born here. Quite frankly, if you can't afford, you know, you know, you know, it's the principle of um, uh, Friedman, uh, Milton Friedman. Hmm. He said you got two choices: you either have open borders, but no welfare. Or you have welfare, but you have closed borders. You can't have both. And quite frankly, uh, you know, um, if you know, um, there, there was a, there was was it now? It was a, uh, there was a poll that was done um, in about two thousand and seventeen uh, by Gallup, and they and they asked four hundred and fifty-four thousand one hundred and seventy-seven people in one hundred and fifty contract countries, if you have a chance to emigrate to. Anywhere, anywhere in the world, would you do it? And of course, all the countries they, close, they chose were uh, Western Europe, uh, sort of Europe, um, America, Australasia. And they extrapolated from that, 10% of the world, seven, 750 million people would emigrate to the West. And 34, 34 million chose Britain. So where between zero and 34 million, guys. Do you feel comfortable comfortable importing into this country? We have to draw a lot, draw a line somewhere, you know. Um, I think we spend something like a billion pound a year treating people from overseas, you know, you know and we don't have, don't have a list over here, do we? And we really don't have a list you know, of people waiting to be treated. Um, so, look, by the way, you know, there's people people from some parts of the world who are far worse than other people. Sure. Apparently, the figure for, for Somalis. Um, I've I, I got this from Matt Cooper because I did see his tweet, and um, it's something like seventy-two percent of Somalis live in social housing, and and, and out of interest, seventy-three percent, seventy-three percent of Somalis in London are unemployed. seventy-three so, you know, percent are on welfare. No, so these, these people are of no economic you know use to this country. Uh, you know, you got to got be got blunt about it. You know, they are. They will be perpetually and, and eternally a drain on our taxes. You know. So, and, and quite frankly, you know, you know, going back to what Milton Friedman was saying, you know, it, it, you know, you, you can't pay welfare to immigrants from from third world countries. You can't do it because you will just encourage them to come over here, and and the situation will get worse and worse and worse. And you look at the social unrest that's happening in this country. Okay. Now, even I was shocked at the numbers that turned out that turned out on Saturday afternoons supporting Hamas terrorists and supporting the Palestinian cause. Okay, there's lots of lefty idiots and lefty, lefty useful idiots in that as well. But I, I, even I was shocked at 100,000 people turned up who have no, no empathy for British values, the Enlightenment, Western liberal democracy... They're just a bunch of bullying thugs who want to take over this country, you know. It's uh, and, and impose their will on us, you know. I'm, how bloody dare you, you know? Really, you know. Uh, quite frankly, you know, this is a marvelous opportunity. Excuse me, I'm ranting at the moment. This is a marvelous opportunity to get 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 the police, get the army in, whack, you know, arrest them all, get hold of them. Let's have a look at your documents. If you're not a British citizen, you should go home. And I mean, now you're on the first plane out of here. You know,
1: what will happen is, uh, did I, have
2: I ever mentioned to you the history of, history of
1: Texas to you? Um, no, we have have had a number of Texans on, but um, Let me I, the history I've of Texas. On a bit.
2: This is where it might end up. This is the most politically correct example I can think of, Peter. In, Texas uh, was a part of Mexico. And in the 1820s, um, President Santa Anna um, encouraged Europeans from America to settle in Texas because it was completely underdeveloped. And ironically, most of the people who went over there were Americans of British heritage. And so, you know, being British, they went to Texas. It's semi-desert. I've been there myself. My brother used to live there, actually. It's semi-desert. And we're farming and cattle rearing and what have you. they, they made it a success. But anyway, cut a long story short, they became the majority in Texas. And in the east, east of Texas were, were cotton fields, and the British Americans wanted to import um, African-American slaves to pick the cotton. And Santa Ana, rightly and understandably, uh, uh, said no. And that sparked a war, um, which uh, Santa Ana lost. So basically... You know, they, you know, Santa Ana lost Texas as a piece of Mexican land because, mm. because of by from, from sheer mass immigration of Americans into the state. In fact, Texas was an independent country for about seven years until they were taken over by the Americans. You know, this is, you know, this this sort of sectarianism, this violence. You know, we've seen it, we've seen it in, in Ireland and Northern Ireland. You know, uh, you know, if you if you if you look at the, uh, the sectarian violence between the Hindus and the Muslims in Leicester, you know. Uh, you know, the, the other day there was, well, it was in Camberwell, um, the T-grain in Eritrea try and rat it together. Yeah. So yeah. This is this is, this is the future of Britain at its present levels of immigration. And it will not get any better. You know, things will never improve in this country. And all we can look forward to is is a, is a reduction in the quality of life, in more violence and, and more, frankly, sexual sorts of things like that. No, we are really on, the, you know, standing on the edge of an abyss here as a culture, as a nation. And you know, it's, you know, for the last, by the way, I've also traced I've also, um, back social attitudes to, um, to immigration going back to 1950. Every single opinion poll from 1950 to 2024, there was a majority of Brits who said there is too much immigration to come into this country. You know, and I'm not threatening anything here. But we've tried the, you know, we've tried persuasion. We tried our tweets. We've written to newspapers. We've voted in general elections, and we're still being bloody ignored by, you know, by the establishment of this country. Where else do we? Ha- where else can we go?
1: Yeah, and uh, one of the problems is those politicians at the top. I'm sure Rishi Sunak doesn't understand the pressures that it causes on your community, um, and literally when they don't understand the difficulties that people face to yeah, get on sure. the housing ladder, sure, yeah.
2: you know, you know, you know this is a bit, you know, a bit, a bit of a bit of a you know, a, you know, a stereotype, a if you like. But you know, if, for example, if you're a scaffolder and you live on a council estate, you know, and you know, and you know, Ali's playing his greatest hits of, of the Taliban. At, Two o'clock in the morning, you know, when you've got, you got sort of gossamer tissue paper walls in your council flat and you all go to work at seven o'clock in the morning, stick up full stories of scaffolding, you know, you you past the stairwell where a, where a more of on the sitting, you know, they, they hate you because you don't buy their drugs, you know. You know, what kind of, you know, it's all right when you live in Amsterdam and you've got this massive Georgian house that's about 10 foot full, you know, 10 foot thick walls. You know, thank you very much. You know, and you know, your next door neighbour, you know, was the ambassador, you know, of the of the Ivory Coast or something like that. You know, it's a very civilized geezer, no doubt. But the rest of us had to pick up the pieces of your decisions.
1: Yeah, not completely. Sorry, I'm, I'm ranting again. Sorry. Don't, no, no. Uh, let's let's move on to well she said it wasn't good touches or not really but let's this Lee Hurst and to bring a bit of, of comedy into uh, uh, Lee Hurst is so good breaking news The IDF say the main reason for the levelling of buildings in Gaza is to make it safe for Owen Jones to visit. Cranes have also been removed. (laughs) It it is showing the hypocrisy of of the left. And it would be wonderful if Owen Jones went in with a LGBT press flag and, and went there and maybe did some reporting. But I guess he would feel unsafe.
2: Well, we'd always send it to Iran or Saudi Arabia or Qatar, or, you know, there's a whole host of countries. You know, 14 Islamic countries have got the death penalty for homosexual acts. You know, um, we touched on Iran very briefly. Um, the, the, uh, the left supported the Ayatollahs in 1979 in Iran. Uh, they called it, you know, uh, Marxism with Islam. That's what they called it, <laughs> Marxism with Islam in 1982. They're all taken out, and put put against the wall, and shot. Uh, but apparently, some like thirty thousand leftist um, Iranians were killed by the by the Ayatollah Khomeini. Uh, <laughs> well, only goes to show you where it's going to go. Where it's going to go. But Owen Jones, you know, his complete lack of objectivity and understanding of what's going on there. Um, to be to move things around the other way, there, there was a there was a, a video I posted a couple of weeks ago whereby I entitled I, I, I I tried it Queer for Calo, Queers for Palestine meets Palestine. It's a gay guy who's having a row with a woman in a hijab um, in French. And someone translated it for me. It's actually quite sad. The gay, the gay Muslim guy says, it's because of people like you, I had to leave, the, leave my country.
1: Mm.
2: I think that's really, really sad that someone felt, so under threat, you know, you know, an LGBT LGBT person felt so under threat. They felt obliged to go to go and live in another country. You know, in, in Israel, they will they will accept for asylum gay Arabs and gay Muslims.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, they, they, I've got the guy's name. But it was a guy who would applied for asylum in Israel. He was beheaded, and this was in the West Bank, wasn't it? Theoretically, homosexuality is legal in the West Bank, but it's illegal in, in Gaza. But going back to Owen Jones, I, I, the sheer stupidity of the man beggars belief. Really does beggar belief. I, you know, go there, mate. Don't sit, sit, sit on your, on your, on your, you know, on your podcast here. You know, treating us all as idiots.
1: Go mm-hmm. there, report, and see what happens to you. But it is much safer writing the Guardian piece from wherever he is uh, in the UK. Yeah. Sure. Um, that you'd. You'd put another post actually on on Islam and oh, now it's just are in the Middle East, yeah uh, and. This, uh, I had to go and I had to click, and yes, it is correct. This is what the Telegraph is telling us. If sure. you want to know how Muslims infiltrated the Met Police and Dancer chin here's the evidence. The Met are to investigate Israeli war crimes in Gaza. Counter-terrorism police have appealed for witnesses traveling through British Airports to report allegations of war crimes. Um, I thought the Met Police would be... Busy investigating all the hit crimes that we have in this country, without actually worrying about war crimes. Oh come on! There's millions. Of, there's millions of tweets every every day, Peter. Yeah, you
2: know, there's <laughs> not far more important things to do. You know how dare you? You know, you know, you know, you, 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 you got all these people, you know, you know, putting up, putting up all these nasty posts about, about, about you know trans people. You know, these these should be in court, being hung, drawn, and quartered at a later date. I, th- I think um, I think the to be trying to to, to um, give some balance here. I think they, they also refer to Hamas terrorists as well. Um, but is that I not just, a hate
1: crime to call Hamas terrorists? I don't know. Well, It'd well, yes.
2: No, actually, I, I think I might be safe on that one for a <laughs> Um But uh, to, to answer your question, to answer your question on this one, um, that is that is just appeasement. Um, I think the police, I, I think the police forces in this country, every single one of them live in fear of uh, the Muslim lobby. And uh, let me quickly, de- descend, you know, um, uh, um, break this down. I'm not talking about the majority of relatively moderate and peaceful Muslims in this country. I'm talking about the leaders, the 20% of extremists, the leaders who who represent, who supposedly represent their community. They're the ones who are crying Islamophobia all the time. You know, do you remember Luthor Rahman, yeah. um, of yeah. uh, Tower Hamlets, mayor of Tower, Tower Hamlets? He was done for massive voter fraud. He was ejected from office. It was it was voter fraud on a biblical scale. Yeah. Why the police never prosecuted him is completely, you know, completely. I, mean, I can't work it out at all. And um and the and the so and so and the little salt's been re-elected again. I do know, you know. I presume you know that as well. He'd been re-elected as mayor. Of yeah, South yeah, Canada. I know,
1: I know. You know, I know.
2: Um, no, it's like, um, you know it's, it's like for example, Rotherham. You know, fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred girls were raped. Yeah, you know, and for th- for twenty years it was covered up by 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 social services, the council, and the police. You know, it's uh, uh you know, I think the problem here is is that if there was a robust, if we if we robustly stood up to 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 the Muslims uh in this country all their leaders i should say they they would incite civil unrest and no police no no uh, chief constable wants to have to explain to the home secretary or or sadiq khan in london why the, why the, why they are rioting on the streets you know it, it's it's why what it's what the has got kid gloves on the saturday afternoon hammers um, uh, demonstrations yeah. you know no, I, I, I i i went to the senator demonstration I'm, a little bit late and it broken it up, um uh, it broken it up to, to a greater extent. And I was trying to get the center file to take some snaps and stick them on Twitter. And I asked the policeman, if I said gas the Jews, would you arrest me? He said, Yes, I would. If I said from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, uh, will you arrest me? No, he wouldn't. Yeah. I said to him, looking straight in the I said, You do you do know they mean exactly the same thing. You know, didn't know. He didn't know. Played declines. And also, you know, there are people, there are people in the Metropolitan Police, know exactly what they mean. And the, the, the fact, the fact you, you know, that uh, Palestinian supporters in this country can do the equivalent of gas the Jews day in, day out without, without any little hindrance, I think is absolutely disgusting. For the simple reason, they know there will be a riot. And, they, they, you know, this is just bullying and intimidation, on, you know, on, on a very high level.
1: No, the the police are not there to for law and order. They're simply there to keep everyone calm and so things don't get too hot and everyone can go home. And that's they want a, an easy job. And that's of course why the grooming gangs uh, have developed in the atrocity they have because they're sure. not willing to have a race riot. Sure, um, as they said. Um, let's uh, state side and this is Harvard. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, been in. in it's yeah. I know, but interesting how the the media have covered it. This was in the Associated Press. Plagiarism charges dined Harvard's president. A conservative attack helped to fan the outrage, and the BBC uh, blamed the, the culture wars uh, for bringing her down. Um, uh, of course, she was what, the first black lady, the first black person heading up Harvard. Um, a massive anger from the left uh, sure. that she has had to step down. I, I didn't think plagiarism was a, a great thing for your CV for someone leading an institute like Harvard. But maybe that's the norm. I don't know. Sure.
2: Um, well, we'll, we'll pl- plagiarism in, in um, Harvard's code of conduct is, stri- <laughs> is strictly banned. You know, yeah. you know, it's not there's no wiggle room here. You know, plagiarism, you know, is is a reason to be expelled from the from, from university and a reason to be failed for your PhD or your MSc or your or your degree. Yeah. Um so no, it's it's right that she went. Um I I, I, I don't know whether you saw at all um her pitch for the job, her written pitch for the job. Um I, I, I know. didn't know. No, okay. Fine. What she wanted to do was, as the first black woman president of Harvard, was institute institutional, uh, institutional wokeism. And apparently when it comes to free speech, Harvard spoke, I think it was founded in 1635 by British Puritans. Mm. <clears throat> and um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Um, it has the worst record for free speech of any university in America. And being one of the Ivy League universities, that is a utter shame and disgrace. There, there was apparently there was a professor who did some research into um, police and black violence, and he came to the conclusion that the police police in America do not, disproportionately, pick on black people. She had him removed. Wow! <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know um, she had him removed um, just because you know, you know. You can, frankly, let's, let's, let's tell it how it is. You can see why so many countries in the world are third world shitholes. Yeah. You, you see, you know, if you don't have any honesty, if you don't have any enlightenment, if you don't have any freedom of speech, you know, you, you will would, you would descend into the third world hellhole, hellhole rabbit hole. And, uh, you know, she, it was right that she went. Um, I think they say that Britain is two years behind America, one to two years behind America. Do you, do you ever, ever watch Tim Paul? Tim Carlton? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Well, he said that the right, quote, unquote, is winning the culture wars at the moment. Um, we're, we're scoring victory after victory, and we should press them home day after day after day. And so what I think what might be happening is this, the victory of, of, of the sensible, moderate people in this country in a year or two's time will come to Britain and we will start winning and winning and winning um, look, look, all two out of the three um, how could how can you ever condone or empathize the the genocide you know, of people you know, yeah. if, if someone said that about black people or Hispanic people or Asian people, their feet wouldn't have touched the ground okay. as soon as they left soon as, soon as they left their congressional hearing you no know, their phone would be go, you know, would be going off. That's you know you with know, with with messages of being sacked on the spot, you know. Give us a ring. You, know, you can't you know, but because it was Jews and because she was black, she she thought she had a free pass. Yeah. All, all three of them had. All, that's all three of them were well, we, women, weren't they? You know, from from yeah, yeah. And, and why have we? Yeah, so yeah. Um, well, let's let's hope that, let's hope the fight back starts here. You know, I, I you know I, I wish anybody of any race, any religion, well. They want to work hard, and they've got talent, and, and and whether it's in business or academia, I wish them very well. But let's have an even playing field. And let's get there on merit.
1: Yeah, discrimination can never be positive, no yeah. matter how much you spin it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we've seen that in Northern Ireland. But let's say so you you talked about uh, um, shithole countries, and yeah. here is what we are importing uh this is the queen's hotel in crystal palace houses 450 migrants so far it has been it has seen the rape of a 12 year old and 17 uh of 12 year old and 17 female staff have been sexually assaulted um sorry rape of one 12 year old and 17 female staff have been sexually assaulted wow i i i'd I thought that was two. I'm just now really realize actually, also seventeen residents may have to move to another hotel if they're not prepared to share rooms. What? Um, again, a conservative government uh, is bringing this over and wondering why the electorate might be a bit pissed off whenever you're making your areas a little bit more rippy. Um, doesn't no. really appeal. No. well, let, let, let me let me. Um,
2: for, before I sort of re- uh, respond to this, let me give you some context. Just bear with me a second. Let's just, just pull up my um, pull up my quote. The MP for for Stroud, Conservative MP for Stroud, is Siobhan Bailey. And uh, well, oh, a you, you can never find find anything when you want it. Just bear with me a second. Um, thought I. Oh, sorry about this.
1: Yes, yeah, so you, you, you you tweet too much. That's the problem with you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but basically, what she said on the twenty fourth of October. Uh, oh, that's right here. I found it. Local residents and police have worked hard. Uh, see, this 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 is recorded in Tansar, the Parliamentary Diary. Yeah. On the twenty fourth of October, on a debate on asylum hotels, said, and I quote: "Local police and residents have worked hard to keep incidents out of the newspapers." Wow. <clears throat> so. There's a cover-up going on. <laughs> wow! There wow. is there is a cover-up going on, and um, we well, in in, uh, in Weymouth. Um, well, I I I've got a source in um in in the Dorset area called Julie, and she and she sends me all the stuff that's go, going on there. Um, in Bournemouth, there was that guy who who uh, uh, there was the Afghan guy who murdered Thomas Roberts. Mm-hmm. You know, the, he lied about his age. He shot dead two people in Serbia. Yeah, he was allowed into this country, and he killed Tom Roberts. Yeah, that's one. Um, and also recently, there was a woman who was quotes sexually assaulted by two men in Weymouth as they were coming out of a nightclub at three o'clock in the morning. There is up and down the country major major incidents in and around asylum motor hotels, and the and the government is doing their very best very best suppress to suppress what is going on. You know when you have bored low educational migrants of third world shit i was I just going to use the word again, often of of uh, you know uh, with 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 uh, being brought up in Islam, it is a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for for sexual assault and violence in some cases, not all. I'm sure the majority are, you know, have a certain certain level of gratitude attached to them, but there's a substantial proportion that don't. And what I really object to is a government that is weak in sending these people back and weak in dealing with the problem. And also police are complicit in covering up as well.
1: Yeah. You no, know, it's, a, it's a failure on multiple levels and one of a conservative government's making. Uh, but of course... But there's good news. One great thing the Conservative Party have done, and uh, I'm sure you were so overwhelmed with joy, David, when you saw that the whole backlog has been cleared. It's just gone. Sure. And this is. Uh, magical absolutely magical the government can take this backlog and they said they were going to get rid of it by the end of the year and they have just like that they've just spoken and it is done um i wonder has there been a little bit of uh, messing around with the figures i think this is creating a county
2: at its best <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, you know. I, 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 I could have a PhD in in, in charge of accountancy and I could do a better job than James Cleverly. James Cleverly, I think, has been promoted to um, to Home Secretary because he's weak and he's pathetic, and he won't make any decisions. He'll do do as his civil servants say. Um, you know, we are being This as a country. Um, Rishi Sunak uh, has no motivation or empathy with, with 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 the British public on this. He's just mouthing what what he needs to say to stop uh, 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 the losses of the next general election. Um, and the, th- the really sad thing about it is the really sad thing is I think there's 106 people who are part of the One Nation Conservative grouping in the Conservative Party. I think about about 300 310 MPs, hmm. and they tend to be more senior people as well. The One Nation it was, it was it was the people that um, Baron Thatcher referred to as the wets. Yes, <laughs> you know, these are the people who you know who 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 you can't get a fag paper between them and Liberal Democrats. Yeah, you know, and, I I, and what, what, I I the thought of a secure Starmer government fills me with fear. But unfortunately, if, if you want to look at the long term solution. I think I think the Conservative Party in the next election needs to be slaughtered. It should be shown that he paid the price for failing to deal with dem- uh, for, with immigration. They should prove to secure Sik- Steimer he will never get reelected again as, as as Prime Minister if he doesn't take a tough line on immigration. And what we really need, in my opinion, is regime change. Um, you know whether it's uh, whether it's uh, reform whether it's UKIP or, or whatever it is. We uh, we need all the Heritage Party or Reclaim Party. We need regime uh, change in this country. And also, what we need to do, we need to clear out of the Home Office. I, I seriously would consider sacking the whole civil service from Matthew Rype, R- R- Rycroft, the uh, yeah. Permanent Secretary, right 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 through to the security guard, and start right start all over again, and employ people who want uh, who want uh, to have a robust uh, challenge to, to immigration. Um, I don't believe a damn word that Richie Sunak says. It's the old joke about how can you tell Richie Sunak's lying and the other politician, his lips are moving. I I don't believe a damn word. Um, And what we really need to show show the Conservative Party at the next election, we are so upset. We are so angry at the way you dealt with immigration for 13 bloody years. It's not a case of, oh, this is something in the last last few weeks or whatever. And the fact you won't withdraw from the European Court of Human Rights and you have no, you have no sympathy for this people in this country. You should pay the price for that. You have to go, and we need regime change. It may, it may take ten, twenty years to do it, but we need to do that. Or the, if we do, do not deal with this matter. The effects of it will be far worse. Um, you know, you, you look, look at what's happening. You, you, your, your blueprint for what will happen in Britain, you have, you only have to look at Sweden, where I think. I think they had last year. They had something like 900 bombings. You know, they had 200 shootings. You know, there's a population of 10 million. You know, Britain's about 70 million. You multiply by seven. Could could you imagine living living in a country where we had 7,000 bombings a year? Hmm. You know, 2,000 shootings a year. You You know, we we'd be outraged. And still, the. I think the Swedes have woken up to a certain extent but the judiciary like the judiciary of Britain is just pathetic I'm, t- I'm told that Tony Blair um, had all these new reforms coming I did to fact check this, so you don't have to take me um, you don't have to assume this is true apparently if you wanted to be- become a judge under Tony Blair you had to write an essay of what you've done for multiculturalism yeah i heard that you
1: know yeah but but my 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 fear is that with ukip it was a single issue which was europe and brexit yeah. um, we don't the, the culture wars are not a a single issue immigration is yeah. um but then we don't have a figure and i don't know if we have a political entity with the ability to actually champion an issue that pulls many people on the common sense and on the right side, like left because Brexit was left and right sure. pulls them together. And I don't know if we have a a figure, a charismatic figure, and you can only rule Nigel Farage out so many times. Yeah, so, I know. I think you know let 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 let, it, let him retire, but someone else has to step, and we don't have that. That that's my concern that we are not seeing the rise we are seeing across Europe.
2: Well, well, I, I suppose charismatic um, figures. Really come, really come about between 1 and 10 to 20 years. So, you know, if, if, you, look, if you look back in history, who do you consider to be charismatic? Baron Thatcher, Sir Winston Churchill, maybe um, uh, Clement Attlee, possibly, Tony Blair. I'll I, I, I put him yep. down as being charismatic. So there's four people since World War II. You know,
1: so yeah, every 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 20 20 for 20 years, so we've got a wild to win. Is that what you're saying? Yeah,
2: well, well, I don't want to blow up blow, blow smoke up somebody's ass, but I'll tell you, tell you, this is what this is my tip for the next Nigel Farage, maybe in 30 years' time, 20 30 years' time. Conor Tomlinson, hmm. you know, the, the guy, you know, to my mind, the guy's got the got the charisma. He's got the knowledge as well. You know, you'll he, never, never defeat him in a debate. But Conor Thompson, I, I think is is a man to watch for the future. And I think he could well be the next Andrew Farage of Britain. I really do wish him well. He's a stand, it's standout person. But uh, I watch a lot of social media. I, you know, I watch a lot of lot, a lot of mainstream media on politics. He's the bloke I think for the future. I think will do, will do this country proud.
1: Okay. Well. On that, we'll bring it to a You'd posted a picture, which uh, I thought was, obviously you didn't perceive it, you've come across, but a phenomenal picture. And I think it shows the, the situation which we face. Coming to a town like yours soon, um, and there is a, a, a white Brit driving, and it's a whole uh, busload of, um, looks like, Indian background immigrants coming in. Uh, I, I think that, that picture sums up the situation we currently have in the UK. So it's a great sure. picture.
2: Yeah. Well, I, 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 I don't I, I should have put that through Google lens actually, because I've I've been caught out a couple of times recently. Um that you know some some been photoshopped or, or, or it's been taken out of context. Um but um yes, um that is the future we're looking for. Um I think between 2050 and 2060. Uh, we'll be, we'll, we will become a minority in our own country at current immigration and birth rates. Um, we have a very stark future. You know, our children and grandchildren have a very stark future to look forward to, and we are just making things worse. And there is no stopping. There's no stopping the establishment. Um, I think all, all the wokies that, that were... That there are, that, you know, the whole establishment of this country, academia, the civil service, politicians to a greater extent, um, hate Britain. They have no respect for Britain. We deserve to be a minority. We, us, us Europeans deserve to be a minority in our own country, and I think that's very very sad. I think when it comes to empires, I think Britain is probably the most benign that ever existed. Mm. Um, it's one of the things I, I, I've never quite understood. I, I believe we kept an army of hundred thousand people in India with we, we had a population of about it's about three or four hundred million uh, in the end nineteenth century, three or four hundred million an army of, of 100,000 and a civil service of 10,000 people. you know despite what a lot of middle class uh, Indians say that we must have governed with a greater level of um, consent yeah. than, 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 than what it is. You know? you know for example, you know we, we outlaw Sati, whereby if a man dies, so uh, they, they put the, the Hindus put him on a funeral pyre uh, but the, uh, the wife who was still alive. Had to join him there. We you mm. know, we bad out there. Also, the cult of thuggee is where we get the word thug from. Thuggee, we, we outlawed that as well. Uh, we also in um, in India, we bought eight more land, eight times more land into uh, into farmland through irrigation. We built forty one thousand miles of, of, um, of railways uh, over there. Which, if you look at HHS two costs, is worth forty one trillion pounds a day. Cool, but I, I, I get me naught in the right place there, you know. It's, you know, no, we, 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 we have a legacy, uh, like that's in India. You know, I, you know, I appreciate that you know, we, we, we could be quite ruthless in putting down dissent and what, what have you. Uh, you know, and, and, to, and it's one thing I say to a lot of my Irish followers, I voted for Brexit, I will vote for Brexit again. I've come to understand Irish nationalism a whole lot more. Hmm. I do not want to be ruled by a foreign person. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've, I've understand Irish nationalism a lot, a lot more. I understand Indian nationalism, you know, uh, when they got their independence in 1947. But you know, if, if, if you look at the Ottoman Empire, the Mughal Empire, the Black Batapa Indian, uh, uh, Empire, uh, the Ashanti Ghanaian Empire, they, they, they were brutal wars and, which involved slavery. Slavery, selling a gold um, and ivory. It was achieved by conquest. And they were just, you know, they were far worse than the British Empire. You know, far, far worse. Um, you know, and if you look at some, some of the Islamic empires as well, again, they're, they're far more brutal than us. Um, and, and what do we do? We spread democracy. Uh, we, we spread science. Uh, we, we spread goodwill, we you know, philosophy, you know, good ideas. You know, if, you, if you want a really hard comment on this one, Britain in, a, in the Americas um, uh, colonized obviously America and Canada, the French and the Portuguese uh, settled in, in, in Central and South America. And really it really wasn't until the 1970s that these countries in Central and South America became vaguely democratic. They were mostly ruled by Marxist or, or, or fascist dictatorships, and they remained achingly poor you know, to, a, to, a, to a greater extent. You if Britain had gone to South America and the Spanish had gone to North America, I think the results w- w- would have been would have been reversed. You know, South America would would be prospering uh, and North America would be dirt poor. You know, so uh, you know, we we as, we as an emperor, I think people should have a lot more gratitude
1: for us. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Well, on that, we will finish off, David. Thanks so much for coming on, and people can obviously follow you on your Twitter handle, which is there, David Atherton Twenty. Thank sure. you so much for your time today. Well, Peter,
2: thank you for inviting me on. It was always a pleasure.
1: Always good. And let me just leave the viewers with one thing in-house. Uh, uh, we have our podcast. Dwight Schultz has just dropped number seven. Dwight, my childhood hero for a Team Harley Mad Murdoch, and it's phenomenal to get to know him um, and for him to do that podcast for us every couple of weeks. So the seventh one has just dropped. So do go and find that on Podbean or any of the podcasting apps, whichever ones you use. So On that, I wish you all a wonderful rest of your day, rest of your evening. Enjoy your weekend, your Sunday, whatever you're doing. Have a great time. I will be back with you on Monday evening at 8 o'clock as usual. So thank you so much, and goodbye to you all.
0: If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.